on March 6, 2006, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Henkel was interviewed by Randy Hall for CNS News. Randy speaking. Can I help you? Yes, this is Randy Hall. Yes. Yes, this is Mark Henkel with TruthBearer.org. Uh, hi, Mark. How uh, are you doing? Pretty good. I got. Uh, I forgot to try to email you. I had to run and cover a story here this morning, and I'm working on that. Is it possible to talk with you on Monday about this? Yes, we could certainly reschedule for Monday. That would be fine. Okay. What time would be good? Uh, 9.30 would be best for me. Okay. Let's plan for 9.30 Monday morning. That's super. So I thought you had a deadline for this weekend, however. I did. However, you know, I, I had a deadline until the deadline got changed. <laughs> <laughs> I do understand how that happens. That happens sometimes. Sure. Okay. Not a I, problem. All right, then. I will talk with you first thing on Monday morning. 9.30. Sounds great. Thank you. You have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Randy speaking. Can I help you? Yes, Randy. This is Mark Henkel with TruthBear.org. Hi. I traffic kept me from getting here on time, and I'm can can I talk with you like around eleven eleven thirty? That would probably be a little difficult. Uh, Is there another time today that we can talk? Two o'clock would be better for me. Let's do two o'clock then. And okay, I will be here at two. <laughs> we will keep this one. <laughs> yeah, this one's for sure. Super. Then until yeah. then. Okay. Thanks, Al. Yeah. Bye. 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 Randy speaking. Can I help you? Yes, Randy. This is Mark Henkel with TruthBearer.org. Ah, okay. I think this time we've got everything together here. Super. Well, before we begin, I did uh, want to uh, let you know uh, this is being recorded. I want to make sure you knew of that and approved of it. Oh, sure. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just wanted to make sure. Okay. Certainly. How may I be of help to you, sir? Okay. The name of your organization is what again? TruthBearer.org. Bearer or bearers? Uh, singular. Okay. But but I mean technically everybody that's a you know all, each member is a truth bearer. Oh, okay. okay. So it's not like a, a one man thing. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it's in, but it isn't plural. And when you you know list it out, link it out, uh, it's a singular without the S, and it's capital T, capital B. Okay. Now, um, what, what's the again is the purpose of your organization? Uh, well, we are uh, conservative evangelical Christians for the most part, uh, continuing the Reformation. Well, that. I'm sorry? Yeah. That uh, we are uh, Christians from many different denominations. It's a, it's a cross-denominational issue uh, with uh, basically uh, this is the non-newbie Christians that have uh, seriously uh, studied the Bible uh, with great dedication and a commitment uh, to the Spirit of God that uh, have come to the realization that the uh, Reformation has not been uh, certainly been concluded, and that uh, doctrines that were uh, invented by the Catholic institution, that the Protestantism of Sola Scriptura uh, battle cry has yet to uh, correct, and that uh, you will not find a single basis of uh, anti-polygamy doctrine in the Bible under any circumstance whatsoever. And it is a issue of First and foremost, being Christians about the truth, the truth because it is the truth. Uh, that's that's the first case, uh -huh. and also that uh, we are now in an era of the dumbed down males with marriage phobic baby daddies. That has a is a consequence of the uh, enforced one man one woman that is 
marriage Marxism that more or less has a uh, instead of having an incentive for men to grow up and be real men and and take real responsibility and real nurturing uh, of families in a caring compassionate Christ-like way uh, as Christians are to be of course that uh, one man one woman has is a marriage socialism that has prevented that instead of a laissez-faire free market principle of uh, creating incentive for excellence uh, that uh, men would grow up and uh, be capable. Whether they're capable, whether they would have more than one wife or not, is ultimately irrelevant. It's a it's a growth to maturity. It's a it's a capability of being capable of drawing that and and attracting it and holding it together and being a true uh, man that uh, gives to uh, to uh, to the family and to the children, and is is by no means some kind of a liber libertine liberal or. A, lascivious kind of concept whatsoever. It is totally about family and uh, and about truly uh, calling men to grow up. Now, you have a... Uh, is there another site that's connected to your organization called ProPolygamy.org? Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. That's not a problem. Okay. Uh, the pro, the com is a media distribution site mm -hmm. that uh, distributes uh, op-eds, press releases articles, uh, reports to educate the media on the true pro-polygamy view that and of pro-polygamists and of what, what basically overcoming the, uh, the deceptions and the liberal uh, lies that are out there um, and, and as we observe that uh, so many uh, supposed to be conservatives have really embraced what we call new liberalism uh, I guess uh, you might consider it's a, uh, like the term for uh, Republicans acting Democrat or rhinos, Republican in name only, and ultimately, uh, instead of the true conservatism, we waited and waited and waited through the 90s to uh, get through that horrid uh, uh, presidency that uh, was uh, uh, definitely a very liberal period uh, to finally get to a, a conservative situation where, with the Republicans and the uh, uh, the president and the Senate and the Congress and uh, and of course now even uh, in the Supreme Court and yet we still see uh, so much uh, new liberalism of uh, basically uh, conservatives abandoning their conservatism for uh, worshipping the false god of big socialist government mm. okay um, at, at what point did uh, maybe you can you can kind of clarify that for me at what point did we go to the they, they talk about one man one woman being in the Bible kind of sure I understand Oh, I'm prepared to give you the whole well, outline if you need to. don't need to get the whole yeah. thing. Give me sort of the Reader's Digest version as to where mm -hmm. that came from. It came from the Catholic institution. You will not find it in the Bible. And again, that's where, again, we come back as continuing the Reformation. Ah, see, see okay. this is not coming from a liberal attempt to reinterpretate, like the uh, biological impossibility of same-sex marriage. That is trying to play word games with the Bible and say things it doesn't say, but it clearly is very clear about uh, the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage and uh, the sin of that. The problem is you do not fight the sin of homosexual behavior with the sin of idolatry, because both sides go to hell, ultimately. Revelation 21.8 makes it clear that all idolaters shall also have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And if you really study the Bible, and I'm not saying you personally, but in general, a Christian that does, uh, there is a, uh, it is the repeated history of God's people that God constantly is warning them that their leaders have gone the way of Jeroboam son of Nebat Jeroboam son of Nebat and that's the story uh, of the division of uh, Israel after uh, Solomon's death between Jeroboam and, uh, Saul and Rehoboam 
And ultimately what it was is the leaders lead God's people into committing idolatry away from the true God. And that is what we're seeing now with uh, calling for the false god of big socialist government to be the savior of God's defined doctrines, uh, such as marriage, that God alone defined, not the big false god of socialist government to define it. And depending on that false god leading people and leading God's people away from the true god who defined it, it's God's doctrine. He created marriage. It's not something that uh, the false god of big socialist government uh, has any authority in defining it, either biblically or constitutionally, which I can address as well uh, in, as we discuss this further. Okay. So it, 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 it came from the Catholic institution in its acquiescence to, as the, to the acquiescence of the Roman uh, false god theologies, when they had multiple gods and all that of the Romans. Right. and all that, and that's where they had uh, the serial polygamy concepts was actually a pagan concept, and they were having all their different false gods. It was okay to have one after the other, and they were having all the licentious and all, and all that, and as the uh, Catholic institution uh, acquired power, and all, basically you know, Christianity went from being uh, the persecuted uh, re religion of Jesus Christ, uh, became a political power of the Catholic institution, it completely reversed, and ultimately new doctrines started being invented, and among them was the uh, the one man, one woman concept. You will not find it in the Bible. And I can go, I can write, cite uh, verses, I can deal with the whole Adam and Eve. In fact, actually, I think the Adam and Eve story is a, a perfect example of how conservatives act like new liberals when it comes to the Adam and Eve story. Uh, well, now, just give me a kind of a quick thing as to why then the Catholic Church introduced the one man, one woman thing. Um, what, was the, what was the reason for making that change? Well, it came out of the asceticism with the invention of... Uh, uh, monks and uh, you know priests not being married, uh, which of course that's not a biblical issue either. You know there is uh, you know recommendations if you're capable, but the idea of creating doctrines that is somehow holier uh, to uh, to not you know to not be married uh, is just one of those uh, inventions that they 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 created. It was a political acquiescence to uh, a, a, the pagan population ultimately. Is, is really what it was. And then, and to understand, we really have to understand is that the birth of America, and this is why this is true constitutionalist conservatism, the birth of America, what brought, what brought the settlers to the New World? What, what brought, in the 1600s and so forth, what brought them was fleeing the tyranny of government controlled by the Catholic institution. Now, I'm not trying to be an anti-Catholic religion. You know, let Catholics be Catholic, and that's fine. That's not where I'm going with this. But my point being is that you have, this is why the whole issue arose with Jack Kennedy as president, about him being a Catholic and all that, is when you go to the, the original founding of our country, uh, it was to be free from government controlled by the Catholic institution and using its, using its power over the government to enforce its man-made doctrines, and that... Uh, believers wanted to be free to believe the truth because it is the truth. And that was what gave birth to uh, the Reformation, and that's what Protestantism was, because it was protesting the man-made doctrines of the Catholic institution. And uh, people fled to, uh, to the New America to be free from uh, the governments uh, being controlled by the Catholic institution that had gained so much power. Uh, now, I have no problem with various different, you know, religions existing, and, and certainly, you know, the whole, uh, I, as a constitutionalist, I completely uh, embrace uh, the First Amendment, uh, you know, right of uh, religious expression and so forth for the Catholics and all that. What I'm simply saying is, is that for it to have the power over governments is another issue altogether. Right. And to use its, its doctrines and to use government to enforce its doctrines is completely un-American. And that's basically the point I'm saying, is, is that the creation of invented doctrines, uh, okay. you know, Here's an example, and, and I'll use a, I'll use a uh, situation that's currently going on. Right now, liberals have gone absolutely spastic over a ridiculous 
idea that supposedly they caught President Bush lying about saying that uh, they never uh, were never warned that uh, the Libyans in New Orleans, New Orleans were uh, were going to be breached. What he and when he said it, he had been basic. All he had been forewarned is that they would be topped. He had not said that they'd be breached. When he said the word after the catastrophe, the difference between topping and breaching is topping is destruction and damage. Breach is catastrophe. And certainly, when President Bush said that, he was correctly knowing what he meant when he said it, and he said that they were uh, that they had never been formed that it had been breached. And that's a correct statement. But liberals tried to redefine what he actually said, and, and as if breach somehow means topped, and that's not what he meant. This is exactly what happens with, for example, the Adam and Eve story. Uh-huh. Words mean things. And, uh, for example, the, uh, the Adam and Eve story, it is a speculation to suggest that Adam and Eve is God's original plan for man, because if you that's what you believe, then we should all be walking around naked, too, which, of course, we shouldn't. But beyond that, you also realize that both Cain and Seth had wives, and we don't know who the mother of those wives were, whether it was Eve or whether it could have been otherwise. We don't know, and it's speculation. I'm not going to uh, lay a doctrinal claim that it was otherwise. I'm simply saying that we have to admit that it's speculation to know what it is. That's all I'm saying. Right. Two, if you're going to use the paradigm that we need the false god of big socialist government for a big mar- for a Marxist marriage amendment, that, and you're using Adam and Eve as your reason, well, interestingly enough, if you read the story of Adam and Eve, they never had a wedding. And two, you don't see any example of the false god of big socialist government ever being u- used. In fact, you won't find any person in the Bible whatsoever, pagans, Christians, uh, God's people, whatever, you will not find anyone ever married by government in the Bible. It is a new modern invention that is not a biblical idea. So if you really say, I believe that Adam and Eve is the standard we have to use for marriage, well then, you know what? Get government out of that idea. Stop the abomination of abominating God's doctrine of marriage with the false god of big socialist government. If you're going to rely upon that, you cannot rely upon it because of government was never involved. And then finally, three, this is really the kicker. Just like President Bush knew what he meant when he said that he had not been forewarned that the, the levees would be breached, the Adam and Eve story cannot be misinterpreted by liberals reading it. It is not the readers of that story who know what meant. It is the writer of that story who wrote that story. Christians will rightly concur and agree that it was Moses. Moses wrote the Adam and Eve story. Moses is the mortal author of that story. Moses is the mortal author of the uh, Exodus 20:14, which is thou shalt not commit adultery, or Exodus 21:10, that says if he ha- if he take another wife, her food, her duty, her marriage, and duty of marriage shall he not diminish. And also wrote Deuteronomy 21:15 that if a man have two wives, and wrote Genesis 2:24 that the two shall be one flesh. All of those doctrines and all of those passages, the very story of Adam and Eve itself was written by Moses, and the Bible is very clear: Moses had two wives. So it's the writer of the story who knows what he meant when he wrote it, just like President Bush knew what he meant when he said that he had not been informed that the levees would breach. Moses, who had two wives, knew what those doctrines meant, and he did not create any form of an anti-polygamy doctrine. It is pure speculation and liberal redefinition and reinterpretation that tries to suggest it means anything but. Okay. Well, now, let me... um let me go to a, a specific thing uh, at propolygamy.com there. It talks about polygamy as the next civil rights battle. Correct. 
Okay. And uh, what does it mean? What do you mean by that? The next civil rights battle after. Well, obviously, right now, whether uh, the way we see it, uh, cons- uh, new liberals are supposed to be conservatives are directly re- to blame for why the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage is going to come to pass. And it's, it's anti-polygamy is the real slippery slope that led to the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage. And, and, and here's why. Often the court case that will be cited is, of the anti-polygamy is the, the Reynolds case of 1878. Right. Now, if you actually read that, it will actually – if you're a true, you know, true constitutionalist conservative, we understand the Tenth Amendment position that if it's not in the federal constitution, the federal government has no authority to be involved in any doctrine. Standard conservatism, right? Right. Okay. Well, in that, the very the law that was being broken by uh, the Mormon polygamist in that situation was, and it reads as follows: Every person having a husband or wife living who marries another, whether married or single, in a territory or other place over which the United States have exclusive jurisdiction, is guilty of bigamy and shall be punished by a fine of not more than five hundred dollars and by imprisonment for a term of not more than five years. Now, the key element of that is territory. The Utah Territory at that time was not a state. If this was a law trying to impact upon states that did not have a bigamy law, this would have been unconstitutional on the basis of the Tenth Amendment because the federal government had no authority. So this case was purely a non-state territorial law where over which the federal government had managerial jurisdiction. That's basically what it amounts to. If it's not a state, then it, then it defaults to the federal government's management. And so this was only constitutional, Tenth uh, Amendment-wise, because it was based on a territory, not based on a state. But those liberal activist judges of 1878 concocted a nationwide precedent over all the states on, an, on a law that was only based on a non-state territory. So it was purely unconstitutional on the basis of the Tenth Amendment. And the, the, the point is, is by doing that, it created a precedent that involved the false got a big socialist government because you will not find marriage anywhere in the Constitution. And because we agree in the Tenth Amendment, if it's not in the Constitution, the federal government has no authority. Well, it's not in the Constitution. The federal government has no authority to be involved in marriage. And yet, with this unconstitutional anti-polygamy law, it exclusively and, – and, and the precedent of Reynolds in 1878 – concocted a liberal mentality that established that government could be involved. In marriage, marriage is defined by God. It is not defined by the false god of big socialist government. If we're real conservatives and we truly call ourselves originalists and we truly believe in the Constitution, we understand government has no business in what God defined. Government has no business in redefining it. And in fact, just as conservatives uh, rightly uh, come against uh, homosexuals for trying to invent an idea called uh, the, what I say the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage, they're trying to redefine marriage. It is so correct. Government courts should never be redefining marriage. But yet, 1878, the liberal court, uh, the liberal judges, those active, liberal activist judges of 1878 did just that. And conservatives relying upon the anti-polygamy 1878 decision are relying upon those liberal activist judges who established a precedent that has no constitutional basis. And so that's the point is government has no business. And really, in the end, the new liberals after they lose the battle, because ultimately, as I said, because you will, you will, if, you're allow, if you allow government to liberally redefine marriage to exclude polygamy, you have just as said 
just as equally said government has the liberal authority to redefine it to include the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage. So that's why anti-polygamy is the real slippery slope that led to government marriage and the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage being legalized. In the end, as that happens, it is our hope that uh, the new liberals will rediscover their conservatism, realize we've been saying the right answer all along, and that is get government out of marriage altogether, get stop abominating it. You wouldn't have a federal gospel amendment. You wouldn't have a federal baptism amendment. Marriage is that important. You shouldn't have a federal marriage amendment. God's doctrine should not be abominated. Get government out of it, and then the homosexual behavior choosing individual have no footing whatsoever. And then you're simply back to Psalms 1-1 of not standing in the way of sinners. And then they're just imagining what they want to imagine, and it's another issue altogether. Now, what is you guys, uh, I noticed on the site you refer to the June 26, 2003 decision, Lawrence versus Texas. Correct. Okay, what, what, what impact does that have then on your organization and on what, what you're working toward? Well, and here you notice they say that this that that makes uh, uh, polygamy tr truly the next civil rights battle. Well, it became the second decision actually, uh, and actually just in February we now have a third decision that has totally uh, demonstrated that uh, even more so that uh, anti-polygamy laws are completely unconstitutional even according to the Supreme Court. What what decision in February? Uh, it's it's a very long one. The Gonzalez versus Ocentra Spirita Beneficita, basically the Waska T case. Oh, okay. Yes, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act case situation. Okay. That's the third case now. Oh, okay. Okay, um, and I can give you the rundown of the three Supreme Court cases uh, that really have that have recently happened that have totally affected us. They are Romer v. Uh, Romer v. Evans of '96, Lawrence v. Texas of. Uh, 2003, and now Gonzalez versus Ocentra Espirita of 2006. And I, and I, I can, I can tell you, I can run you through uh, the impact. Ultimately, this latest decision that was unanimous with the the Roberts Court uh, reestablished uh, the uh, the compelling interest test. And you know, as uh, as Chief Justice uh, Roberts himself said, that now he's he's created two issues. Now, the government must bear the burden of showing that a that permitting a religious exception to a ban, to the prohibition, would undermine a compelling governmental objective. It basically reestablished for religiously neutral laws that, for example, the anti-polygamy laws are supposed to be religiously neutral. The government, two things are in place now. Government has to – government is the one that has to demonstrate it has a compelling governmental objective to oppose polygamy, for example. Okay, it has to do so. And then secondly, it has a, it also, government also bears the burden of having to prove that a religious exception, even, even if government is capable of establishing that there are, uh, governmental reasons for banning polygamy. Beyond that, it has to also have, it bears the burden of having to prove that it can't, that it, uh, that permitting a religious exception, uh, would undermine those. And, and the fact is, is that now with the brand new movement of Christian polygamy, which we haven't really begun just yet, unless you've understood that we're separate from Mormonism. Uh -huh. um, Christian polygamy brings a completely new paradigm that redefines the model of what people think polygamy means. It is not a patriarchal. It is not a, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the chest pounder and dictatorial. It is not. It has nothing to do with any of the Mormon theology uh, or, or the Muslim uh, basis whatsoever. And is a pure beneficent uh, model that uh, can actually be a, a positive value to uh, to the cultural culture overall, especially as we're now in the era of dumbed down males and baby daddies. Mm. 
Okay. Well, now, Ed, if you, since you say you, you, that you think that the uh, same-sex marriage is going to be approved, <laughs> and then the, the, do you, you think then that, that, that going through and approving the polygamy is the way to undo that? No. We're not after legalization. We're after decriminalization. Okay. Okay. And it is so vital that you understand the difference. It is not a semantic point. Legalization goes through the, the, the process of trying to define this is allowed, this is allowed, this is allowed. Decriminalization, as we said before, get government out of it altogether. Get government out of it altogether. So if you want to stop the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage, be a true conservative of limited government, constitutional basis of original basis of that government's role is not uh, so liberal social engineering, but government's role is only for the protection of individual rights. And therefore, government does not belong in uh, the definitions of God's doctrine of marriage. Get government out of it altogether, and what do the homosexual behavior-choosing individuals have then? Nothing. Nothing. That's the true conservative position. Limited government. But instead, uh, our fellow conservatives have gone – you know, many of our fellow conservatives have gone the new liberal approach and are trying to use liberalism to fight liberalism. They're using big government, a big government solution of the federal marriage amendment. In fact, they knew that it was so big government that they even renamed it called the Marriage Protection Amendment, which was – and they even admitted that that's why they were renaming it, because it sounded like big government. Because you know what? It is. It's big government. You, if you're a conservative, you don't turn to the sol as a solution to the false god of big socialist government. You were, if you're a Christian, you worship God, not and, uh, through the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a, a worship of the false god of big socialist government. Government is not your savior. The false god of socialist government is not the savior of marriage. So you really want to protect marriage, get government out of abominating it altogether. It has no process in, in, in the definition thereof, and homosexuals have no ground. Okay. Um... The, the, from what I've read of the different things, the, the, most of the government's involvement in marriage is in legal things such as uh, wills and uh, those kinds of things. You, you don't you don't don't believe that they should be involved in anything regarding that as well. The only basis, the only function for government regarding marriage would be on the municipal level of being a repository for the contractual arrangements that consenting adults make. Okay. That is, is, so that it's a public record. A repository of public records of the contractual arrangements ad consenting adults make. That's it. That's not, you know, it's not in terms of defining what's marriage, who's marriage, whatever the contract, I mean, we can set up, you know, anybody can set up corporations, anyone can set up partnerships, it's just the same thing. You know, so whatever, you know, uh, people want to imagine in their, you know, their silly imaginations, government has no business defining it for them. Is what I'm saying. So again, be a true limited government conservative. Stop the stop involving government in trying to define it. Understand, marriage is so important. It is so precious that you know what? It predates government. It comes before government. Okay. Okay. So so here you've got a concept of government, which is an invention of mankind, comes along after marriage has long existed. And then tries to tell – I mean, again, if, if we're supposed to believe in you know, rights, you know, it's about individual rights, people have the right to marry whether a government exists or not, and will marry whether a government exists or not, and did marry whether a government existed or not. Government is not the definition of marriage, and the minute you think that mar someone is only married because government said so, guess what you've just done? You just called every single married person in the Bible a fornicator because not one of them was married. In the Bible, not what by the false god of big socialist government. Government was never involved. It is a brand new concept. Marriage is not defined by government, according to the Bible. 
So I, I, I realize that we are always quite a, a big smiling surprise to uh, our fellow conservatives when they first find out because they anticipate that we're going to be some kind of lascivious liberals, and it's quite the other way around. <laughs> okay. so, so what, like steps then is your is your organization is your movement then wanting to accomplish let's say is it an attempt to downsize government is it an attempt to uh, you know to um you know, or what? What basically are your, you know, uh, are your sort of objectives? Okay. Well, probably, I guess your way to say, separate mission from agenda, because okay. um, because first, as all Christians are, Christians are Christians first. Right. This is what we are as Christians, and it is our love for our fellow Christians that we walk in the truth. That if we're going to say we're not Catholic, if we're going to say that we are sola scriptura Christian, if we're going to say that we believe the truth because it's the truth, then by the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to believe it's the truth, regardless of what we want to believe about it. We can't be like the homosexual behavior-choosing individuals who try to make the Bible believe, say what they want it to say. We have to believe it because it says what it says. Words mean things. Breach does not mean topping. The same exact concept. Words mean things. And because of that, we have to believe the truth because it's the truth. And so that is why we are continuing the Reformation. It, 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 are you familiar with what that means in terms of Martin Luther and all that? And, and you are okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, that's what we're doing. So we're, we're, we are following exactly in the same footpath of sola scriptura reformation that we have got to believe doctrine based on the Bible, not on what the Catholic institution invented. Now, again, I'm not trying to create any kind of uh, you know anti-Catholic you know bigotry or anything of that nature. I'm simply saying we have to understand the history, understand where we got these things. Government uh, controlled by the Catholic institution of its doctrines is not an American idea, and and it's certainly and one man one woman is not biblical. No, so we're we're sharing this with our fellow Christians to believe it's truth because it's truth, but also because the real model of marriage for Christians is not the the fleshly Adam, but it's the spiritual second Adam, which is Jesus Christ. And he described himself as a polygamist coming to marry his five churches in uh, Matthew twenty five of the five wise virgins. Mind you, don't quote me as saying that's a literal marriage. It's a metaphor. It's a parable. But the fact is, is it's a polygamous marriage, and Jesus would never describe himself if, that way if it was a sin. Mm-hmm. And the marriage model is Ephesians 5, 22 to 25, that husbands are supposed to be as loving and caring as Christ himself to his churches, and wives are to be as the churches. That's the model for Christians. And so what we're talking about is calling men to grow up, to, to be so loving and so profound. It's, uh, it's like laissez-faire economics. Just because you've got the freedom uh, you know, to, to make $500 million doesn't mean everybody's going to. You see, it's laissez-faire marriage economics. <laughs> okay. Serious, and that's why we say the marriage amendment, one man, one woman, is marital socialism. Can you imagine a concept that says uh, one customer per one business, one for each so that each girl have one? That sounds like Karl Marx, doesn't it? Okay. Well, that's what you're saying for, you know, one woman each for each man so that each may have one. But so what you've done is you've dumbed down men instead of having them grow up. Now we have marriage-phobic baby daddies. So we're talking about men who value marriage and really care about it. So. Mission-wise, I'm, I'm staying focused on your questions. Right. Mission-wise, it is with our fellow Christians. We are a support network because because of the internet. And Christian polygamy basically began in 1994, and you can find out the history itself at ChristianPolygamy.info. Right. Okay. Uh, forward slash history, uh, and it basically started in 1994. And it's because of the internet that made it possible uh, for the movement to grow as as uh, as much as it has. Uh, because what happens is individual. Serious Bible student Christians in their own churches will read the Bible and come to the realization that, hey, 
Why do all these great holy men of God have more than one wife? Israel, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel were born of four wives. Uh, Moses had two wives. Abraham had three wives. What's up with this? You know, and then you study and you realize that the original word for adultery is uh, naaf in Exodus 20, verse 14. The Hebrew definition, according to Strong's, is a woman who breaks wedlock. So if a man marries another wife and she was never another man's wife, well, she's not committing – she's not breaking wedlock with anyone, so therefore she's not committing adultery. That's how the holy men of God had more than one wife. They were not committing adultery because they were not marrying other men's wives. The one situation where David did that and took another man's wife, that's what God came down for. And even in that very verse of Second uh, Samuel twelve eight, God Himself said, "I gave you all the wives you have, and if you had wanted more, I'd have given you more. But you killed this man, this man for this one, for this one woman. This one, this man had one wife, and you went and you killed him. So you could have had as much. And God Himself said He would have given David more wives, which is an amazing uh, expression of uh, understanding that God Himself is not against polygamy. God wouldn't have said that." He certainly wouldn't have done that if, the, if polygamy was a sin. The same, he wouldn't have described himself as a polygamist in Jeremiah 3 or in Ezekiel 23 or Jesus Christ doing the same in Matthew 25. So all of this is bringing this to our fellow Christians. But also we have – what happens is Christians see all these things, do these serious studies, come to this realization and say, something's wrong. It, you know, it, it's such a spirit of confusion out there. This is so clearly – untrue. And because of the, the, the commitment and love for our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and realizing that many of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ are uh, being fed mother's milk instead of being strong enough to handle the meat of God's worth, you know, it's, it, we, we, we study it deeper, and we find each other, and we find, and ultimately that's what brings people to our, our organization. We provide that support to the pastors uh, that are not yet able to uh, bring this to their churches, uh, because they're really in a, a tough bind. I mean, if they, if they do it from above, the, they're their denominational hierarchy, you know, holds them to a covenant to preach a certain doctrine, and and they could be uh, uh, fired, or the congregation from below, you know, could uh, could you know leave. So it's definitely a serious pressure. So we provide a support network, and we're bringing this to other people as the, as each church and each uh, individual is already and able to uh, be as public as they can be in uh, going forward. But we're providing that unified, uh, growing network of that. Now that's the mission, and the consequence of that is. Our agenda will be certainly achieved. Think of anti-polygamy thinking as a house of cards. Are you familiar with the idea of house of cards, one floor on the other, upon the other? Okay. The, each floor of this house of cards is a political constituency. The very first floor are our fellow conservative Bible-believing Christians. We're not talking about the liberal libertines and all that. As we continue to persuade our fellow conservative Christians that this is extremely scriptural, that and that it is extremely about pro-loving women and 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 calling men to grow. We effectively kick out the first floor of a house of cards. What happens when you remove the first floor of a house of cards? It all comes crashing down. For example, uh, uh, liberals are easily persuaded because their tolerance doctrine. In other words, we're not talking about trying to you know use different arguments. We're simply saying that. Conservatives believe in conservatism. Well, then we're showing them this is the true conservative solution. Christians, this is the true Christian solution. Liberals believe in tolerance. Their tolerance doctrine automatically requires them to cons to accept consenting adult polygamy. So uh, whether liberals accept us or not, it, it doesn't matter to us because ultimately their doctrine requires them to. Do you understand what I mean? Uh -huh. 
All right, feminists have to accept consenting adult polygamy because if a woman wants to choose this, and, and uh, a woman could choose this and does do choose this, then the feminist position has to accept consenting adult woman's choice of polygamy. So the feminist floor comes crashing down. Uh, cultural conservatives who want to see uh, you know, women get off welfare and, and this whole baby's daddy and uh, dumbed-down male's trap go, you know, want to see that come to an end, uh, can understand that certainly uh, helping abandoned single moms, because that's actually what ends up typically uh, most of our practicing in the families, that's what ends up happening is, is a wonderfully uh, positive helping of, a, of an abandoned single mom situation and actually helps that become a thriving situation. So this helps them get off welfare or not be in that trap, that hamster in a wheel trap that abandoned single moms are often in to work just to pay for the low-paid strangers of daycare to, hire, to raise their children. Okay. So this provides that solution, and that, that, that com, uh, constituency floor comes crashing down, and just about everybody else is pretty much laissez-faire about what consenting adults choose to do. And so really that's how we're building the, uh, the constituent support uh, from our agenda, not, not, uh, not addressing court issues and other matters. Okay. So that's our agenda. So our mission is as Christians, and our agenda is, is as uh, kicking out that, uh, that first floor of the hospital card to be anti-polygamy thinking. Oh, okay. So you're not looking at anything like you're not looking for a particular legislative uh, direction or anything like that. You're, you're well repeal. Ah, repeal. Cert well, certainly. Uh, re well, decriminalization. We are looking for decriminalization, but part of that process is, of course, that in order for politicians to uh, be able to do so, uh, we know uh, uh, liberals and new liberals and even conservatives alike that uh, politicians need to have some constituent cover to do something like that. <laughs> Okay. So we have to build constituent support. Uh, <laughs> I see. Okay. For that. All right then. Yes. Uh, okay. But we do have, but we do have, you know, uh, those types of things. We're not just, you know, sitting back and, and you know, waiting. We also have uh, uh, court issues to apply. But what we're really after on a on a legal basis is the decriminalization and to get basically to help our fellow conservatives understand the real solution to uh, the whole marriage debate and, and especially with the biological impossibility of same sex marriage is to get government out of it altogether. That's the real limited government conservative solution that stops it in its tracks, and it doesn't use liberalism to fight liberalism. It doesn't use big government to fight big government. It uses the true limited government conservative position. That's what we're after. Okay. Well, that's very good. That helps me quite a bit. Um, if I have any other questions, I, should I send you an email? Absolutely. Uh, and, and certainly we can have uh, you know multiple interviews as well. What is your, uh, your article, or when is it going to be appearing? Uh... Well, it's it should be sometime this week. But okay. it's kind of like looking at it, and where it began was in Rick Santorum. Okay. Uh, Senator Rick Santorum a couple of years ago mm -hmm. uh, got into serious difficulty because he referred to Lawrence versus Texas. And in referring to that, let me see if I can just call up that, that quick file that talked about that, that in Lawrence versus Texas, mm -hmm. that if there was the decision of that, that that would open the door to other things. Now, hang on. Just oh, I've got the quote. Oh, good. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fully familiar with it. Well, actually, you know, uh, we've got a uh, – there, there's even a, uh, an op-ed about that uh, back then at, uh, at the propolygamy.com. Oh. Uh, but, yes, he had said that uh, you know, um, he had, to his chagrin, he had basically uh, said that uh, that a right to privacy for a freely consenting adult – I mean, basically that, a, that the right to privacy argument okay. would uh, mean that it uh, – 
It would allow it for, for polygamy, incest, and a whole bunch of other horribles. But polygamy is not in the same line as all those other parade of horribles. And actually, all he was doing was repeating what Justice Scalia was already saying. Ah. Okay, so, so, I mean, so they, they've, and Scalia already saw the writing on the wall back in 96 when he made a polygamy reference in the Romer v. Evans case. Oh. Okay, uh, and and if that if you need more info about that, I can certainly can speak to those issues. Where where is that editorial okay. you have regarding uh, that? Is that on? Well, a... well the propolygamy.com forward slash articles dot php is the entire menu of past art past articles in reverse chronological order. Articles dot php. Php. Ph. Person helping person. Lp. I'm sorry. No, no problem. Php. Yes, pro-polygamy.com forward slash articles. And it would, be, it would probably be like the second, third, or fourth one at the very bottom because it's in reverse chronological order. Right. Uh, so it would have been about uh, probably April of 2003 when Santorum made his point. And basically, it's, uh, everyone agrees with Santorum's point that polygamy rights is coming. Ah. And then uh, you'll also want to read the, the, June, uh, the July uh, article also, uh, the court decision to secure polygamy rights, because that addresses both the Romer v. Evans and the uh, Lawrence v. Texas. Because at the end of Lawrence v. Texas, uh, in his dissent, uh, Scalia wrote, State laws against bigamy, same-sex marriage, adult incest, prostitution, masturbation, adultery, fornication, bestiality, and obscenity are likewise sustainable only in light of Bowers' validation of laws based on moral choices. Bowers was the case they were overturning from 86. Right. Every single one of these laws is called into question by today's decision. The court makes no effort to cabin the scope of its decision to exclude them from its binding. From its holding. Okay. Yes. So that is so Scalia himself had said that about the Lawrence v. Texas case. Okay. And also in the Romer v. Evans case. Are you familiar with what that case was? Yes. Okay. And that was about uh, the homosexuals in Colorado Amendment Two. Right. In his Constitution, uh, and that. Uh -huh. And in his dissent uh, to that, Scalia wrote, "Polygamists and those who have a polygamous orientation, quote unquote, which by the way, polygamists don't. We don't see it from an orientation standpoint. That's a liberal idea." Okay. Okay. <laughs> But he wrote it. Uh, polygamists and those who have a polygamous orientation have been singled out by these for by these provisions for much more severe treatment than merely denial of favored status. The court's disposition today in Romer 96 suggests that these provisions are unconstitutional and that polygamy must be permitted in these states, unless of course polygamists for some reason have fewer constitutional rights than homosexuals. Ah. And that basically what you have is Romer v. Evans established that laws that tar that have a impermissible targeting of polygamists is unconstitutional according to Romer v. Evans. Lawrence v. Texas established that the right to privacy of consenting adults of polygamists uh, cannot be violated. And now with the recent February case, uh, February 21st of Gonzalez v. Ocentra Espirita, uh, government uh, has to bear the burden uh, of showing that permitting a religious exception uh, to anti-polygamy ban, uh, to a polygamy ban, would undermine government's compelling interests in that it also has to prove uh, for the ban. So government has a double object, double thing it has to prove. It has to prove that there is justification for the ban, that government has an interest in the ban, and not only – and then once it's done that, say, for example, the reason why the anti-polygamy laws took place was because of Mormon polygamy. And too often, just like the topping versus breaching problem, people forget that a, na a neutral noun is not modified by an absent adjective, meaning that a na the word polygamy is neutral by itself, but too often people – 
automatically interpret polygamy with its adjective Mormon, as if it's Mormon polygamy. And the Mormon theology uh, created a forced obligation that, you know, supposedly there's this idea of, you know, souls up in heaven and women have an obligation to have as many babies as possible and that uh, the men are, are supposedly going to get into the third heaven if they get certain priests. And that's why basically it created a forced, no-choice obligation for women to be polygamous wives. So that is the paradigm behind which uh, anti-polygamy laws were created. It was anti-Mormon polygamy. So now you bring a religious exception of Christian polygamy, which is a full be fully beneficial consenting adult model. Even if government can, can assent, attempt to create a compelling governmental interest in opposing uh, the enslavement of women by certain polygamous paradigms and presuppositions or reasons for polygamy, they would absolutely fail and have absolutely no ability to provide any proof that permitting the exception of the beneficent, uh, benevolent Christian polygamy religious exemption to a polygamy ban. Okay. Hmm. So it's, it's clear. The Supreme Court has made it very clear that uh, the Christian polygamy model is uh, can certainly be uh, overturned. And last of all, because you really got to read the Reynolds case. When you read it, it really blows your mind. Talk about a um, liberal activist judges on a court and talk about um, a kangaroo court where uh, jurors in, in the court in the original case, jurors that were, uh, were, were being selected, those who already had uh, formed an opinion were allowed to go through even though they were opposed by uh, the defendant. And those who uh, were asked whether they had uh, you know, committed polygamy or, or were, it, were in that uh, basically didn't want to admit you know, whether they were or not, so they didn't want to give it. They were automatically denied. So talk about a one-sided stacking the dead of the deck of the court just as you read that. And then when you read that it's purely based on a territorial non-state law that this law has no bite nationwide, and yet for the Supreme Court to have concocted a nationwide uh, precedent for government's involvement in marriage on a purely management territorial law is a, is a liberal activism, for sure. It, I mean, when you read it, it just, you, you realize this is an embarrassment for conservatives to be relying upon. It really is. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I've got to run and do a thing or sure. two here. So I we will be in touch. Giving you your time, and I'll pop you an email if I have any questions. So you, you think it'll be out this week then? Should be. Let me we'll see how it works because, like I say, I thought it was going to be out last Friday. Okay. And, and uh, something came along and cheerfully uh, uh, scuttled my agenda just like I, that. I understand. Now, you're not going to be putting us like next to uh, criminals or anything of that nature. You're, you're well, gonna... not if I can help it. Okay, because we're, we're definitely, you know, please see lovenotforced.com. The, the standard is, is about love. It's not about Mormonism. It's not about any of that thing. And, and certainly uh, uh, it is actually a fact that no polygamist has ever in the modern era has ever gone to jail for polygamy. They've gone after being other real criminals, and that's what we oppose. And we're, that's, it's just propaganda to suggest otherwise. Ah. Nobody is in jail for bigamy purely. Ah. It's always a trumped-up secondary charge. Hmm. Even Tom Green himself, uh, if you're familiar with that Mormon, uh, was in jail for criminal the fraud of criminal non-support, and the bigamy sentences are served concurrently. So he's not serving any real time ah. So for a single day. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. We'll talk again. Thanks for letter. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. NationalPolygamyAdvocate.com